Hi, my name is Hina Solanke. Welcome to the Phil Fabulous Show. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I am with the lovely, beautiful, prolific, intelligent, amazing Hina Solanke. So um, Hina has a podcast called Feel Fabulous. I think it's a brilliant title and concept for a podcast. Let's be honest, we could all do with feeling a bit more fabulous. Uh, And it's a privilege to be interviewed today by Hina for her podcast, Feel Fabulous. Now, she wanted to more expose my personal side. And that makes me a bit nervous, but I'm always game. So Hina's going to be asking me questions that are maybe a bit more on on the personal side that you maybe haven't heard before. She wants to have a bit of fun with some of the latter questions. But as always, when I'm interviewed, I am your humble servant, Hina and everyone. So um, I'm over to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rob, for doing this interview. I'm really excited. Um, For my listeners, because hopefully this is streaming out to my uh, Facebook as well, Um, Rob Moore, uh, famously known as the disruptive entrepreneur, author of six bestsellers, podcaster, social media influencer, and the founder of the Rob Moore Foundation. So today, as you said, yes, this is going to be a little bit, little bit different. So, Rob, let's get personal. <laughs> so, so, my first question: How did you get to where you are? What, what was that turning point for you? You went to university. You were working in your father's pub. What was it that made you think, you know, what I'm going to make this and I'm going to do this? What, what, what happened? Well, it was actually my dad's nervous breakdown. So he had a huge nervous breakdown in his pub on December the 15th, 2005. The anniversary of that is in six days. It's his birthday as well. Um, And he had a huge nervous breakdown in front of all of his customers. The police were called out. They beat him up. They sectioned him. Yeah. And um, I was just sort of living, existing, I wasn't aspiring. I wasn't working towards anything. I was just pulling pints in a pub and a glor- you know, glorified barman, really. Um, and I guess I probably was a bit scared of doing anything else or taking some risks. Maybe I didn't believe in myself. Maybe I just thought, oh, I'll take over this pub one day. I don't know. I mean, my intentions were good. I did my uni degree and then came back to work in the pub just for a few months because mum said, oh, will you come back and help out? Because I think dad's maybe not too well. And it took three years for it all to come out. But um, I just let my life go, really. I got into quite a bit of debt, about 50 grand of consumer debt, slowly over time. Um, And, yeah, that was really, for me, the the kickstart for everything. Um, And I realised, looking back now, everything I wanted to be was within me. I just had to make decisions and be brave and go into the unknown and learn things I didn't know and be humble to ask questions and learn from others, which sometimes when you're a 25 year old kid with a chip on your shoulder, you find that hard to do. So yeah, that's for me where it all started. And that, like like I said, the anniversary of that will be in six days. So that's 15, 15 years ago. Wow. Were you frightened? Was it frightening? Yeah, yeah. It was um, is the worst thing I've experienced as a, a person face-to-face. Thankfully, I haven't yet experienced death face-to-face. But I think the, um, the two worst feelings in my life were probably when my granddad died when I was a young kid. And then that 
that happened with my dad, you know, seeing the police beat him up outside the front of your pub and not being able to do anything about it. And that's awful. Yes, uh, but it awful, but um, part of life's journey and tapestry. And um, yeah, I, I believe that things happen. I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, everything happens for a reason, but I would say that, you know, there's always a reason you can make a reason for things happening and you can learn from things that happened. Um, and actually, you know, you asked me what was the trigger for everything and that was it. So it was a painful situation, but actually it was, it was the kickstart. It was the first, it was my rebirth, basically. It was my phoenix. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. So you really turned a negative into a positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, desperation can be good sometimes, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Desperate to get out of there. Desperate to prove to your dad that you you can be successful and useful and make him proud. Desperate to show the world you're not a useless fat kid like I was at school. You know, and so, yeah, that, that really motivated me. I mean, I don't really come from desperation places anymore, but I did. <coughs> Excuse me. Tickly throat. <laughs> <laughs> so you you went on your journey and you're obviously a very successful millionaire now. How and how did you plan to get to your first million? What was your plan? How did it happen? And how did you feel? Buying property, selling property to other people. And then once we had enough experience running educational platforms, courses, mentorships, masterminds, teaching others how to do it. That's how I made my first million just before the age of 31. Um, I didn't really have an exact plan. I, You know, you, when you start, like, there's a whole world of opportunity out there. If you're entrepreneurial, I am entrepreneurial in that I, I have loads of ideas. A lot of them are crazy and mad and silly and a bit above my station. But again, I think that makes you entrepreneurial. And um, so I had all these ideas to do all these things. But what I settled on was buying property for myself and with my business partner, Mark Homer, I'm still business partners with today. He's great. Um, And, you know, we've bought hundreds of properties that we own, co-own and manage, I think nearly 800 now. Um, And, but, you know, buying properties, it's, it's fast when you look back, but it's slow when you're in it. Um, and so we wanted to increase the speed of generating income. So we'd sell properties to clients, you know, three grand here, five grand there and do one or two of them a month. Five grand, 10 grand a month. This is pretty good. Getting some good momentum. And then you build that into a proper business. And then I reckon we were about three years in when we felt like both of us um, felt confident to teach others. Um, right. and, and then we started running courses. And we, I mean, in our first year, we did two courses. That was it. You know, we did. Oh, I remember wow. the first one. We had, we had, um, what four, four between forty and fifty people on a course, a two-day course that had paid two thousand pounds, and it was a massive amount of money for us back then. And you know, still, I still know and I'm friends with some of those people who came in our first ever course. So Trevor Cutmore, Jill Orton, you know, they came on our first ever course, and they're, they're very successful oh. investors now. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. We went from two a year, which we did back then, and now we do eight hundred and fifty a year. So you know, wow. um, acorns turn into oaks. Yes, and I hope I'm going to be one of those. <laughs> so my book, Dance with the Universe, is full of affirmations, um, lots of positive energy. What do you do? Do you do affirmations? Do you use affirmations? And what do you do to nurture your soul? Uh, oh, I've not been asked that before. What do I do to nurture my soul? I like that. Well, <laughs> um, all right. So do I do affirmations? Yes. Um, so um, every night when I go to bed, Although if I'm sleeping well, I fall asleep too quickly. 
Um, but every night before I go to bed, I close my eyes and I have uh, some incantations, you know. Um, I have like a set of nine or ten words, um, wealth, success, health, strength, happiness, confidence, non-judgment, abundance, love, and gratitude. And th- so they are sort of, what, 10-ish incantations. I've been saying those nearly every day for the last 15 years. Uh, I'll also then think about things I'm grateful for, small and hope and bigger. And then I will start to visualize or implant into my unconscious some things I want to achieve. I wouldn't say I've done it religiously every day. You know, people don't go to the gym every day. They have a couple of days off. And like I said, sometimes I'm like, well, success, health, when I've fallen asleep. I actually wish sometimes I could take a bit longer to fall asleep. The reason I do it at night is because I believe that your subconscious mind is the most impressionable when you're in an almost dreamlike state. Um, that being said, I'm a big believer in taking action. Uh, and um, mantras and positive affirmations and mood boards and visualizations, it's all brilliant. But I'm also a believer in making things happen, seeking out opportunities. And also, this is important. I think people try and set these very clear, vivid goals. That's great. But life takes you in its own journey sometimes. So sometimes you you have have the the perfect look of a dream house. And you end up being in a dream house, but it wasn't that house. Or a perfect partner. And you end up being with a great partner, but it wasn't the partner you thought it would be. Or, you know, becoming a millionaire, it took longer than you thought. Or it was a different journey or whatever. And so... I'm specific, but also I allow the universe or whatever words I want to use to take me on its own dance and change its mind. But I mean, I've got loads of stories of um, very physical things that happened. So I used to ride past this house um, on my way um, to, from home to the gym. Yeah. When I worked in the pub, massive four story, beautiful, regal look. I think it was, I think it's Georgian, 1880 something it was built. You know, big long drive, everything I ever. Wow, look at that! That is my. Uh, um, and when I built a business coaching practice, um, one of the chaps I used to coach actually owned that house, and I didn't know when I started coaching him. And I'd go over to the house <clears throat> and coach him, and you know, I, I only ever saw the downstairs floor, but I was like, this has got so much potential because you know I'm younger than him, and my decor taste is different. Um, and, uh, I, I, I now live in that house. Um, and we've lived here now. I think we're nearly seven years in, we're still extending it and doing all sorts with it. It's got rooms everywhere. It's like a a maze. Um, and I, I used to stop and look at that house and go one day you're mine. One day you're mine. (laughs) You You can't find when a house comes up for sale and you could want a house and someone could live in it for 35 years and you, you've got no control over that. But, um, there was something serendipitous about that. And, you know, my first Ferrari, I did the same thing, visualizing that, dreaming of, um, I, as a kid, I used to put Ferrari pictures all over my wall, a Ferrari Testarossa, and now I, I own one of those now. And um, so I'm a big believer in it, but I'm also a big believer in going out and making things happen. And, um, you know, you set goals and intentions, but then you've got to be wise enough in the journey to go, actually, this is where I should be, and you move. And you dance, dance with the universe, great title. You know, you dance with what's brought to you. Because sometimes I think people are a bit too specific, set and specific. Um, mm-hmm. And then how do I, um, what was it, was it clean my soul? What was the, how do I, what my... Nurture your soul, self-care, just, yeah. Nurture your soul. How do you nurture your soul? I'm not always the best at self-care. I always put my work first, my company first. And that has been in the past at detriment to my own 
um, balance or my family life or my own hobbies. I used to do loads of martial arts and kind of stop that. I never really intend to, but I'm just an obsessive person. So when I start a company, I'm obsessive about it. When I have a new project, I'm obsessive about it. I'm, I'm all in. And I'm always starting something new, writing a new book, doing a new podcast, doing some kind of new launch, some kind of initiative. I just got made Rise board member for the Prince's Trust, which is a great mm-hmm. honor. And I'm doing a Young Entrepreneur Summit with them. That's my new project. Tomorrow, I'm doing a Facebook live stream event with Kevin Clifton of Strictly Come Dancing and that. And so, so um, I've not always been the best at self-care. Um, but some things I've learned along the way that I do is one, you, I think you've got to have a, pa- a passion and a hobby as well as just being an entrepreneur, something to take your mind away that you enjoy to do that either switches you off or in, strangely gets you really focused. Because I think there's something very meditative, if that's a word, about being um, really focused. Like let's say, for example, you like to go down a rifle range and, and shoot targets. You know, you're very yeah. focused. But it's really keeping your mind or you play snooker. You know, you're focusing on the ball and the position. You're not thinking about all your problems or work. I think it's have something outside of work and don't just be obsessed about work because most entrepreneurs can be like that. And that's a good thing, but a bad thing. The next thing is I'm a big fan now of doing long walks. So I did about an hour and a half today and I do some calls or just I actually really love the cold. I I was actually just thinking about it. Like a lo- load of people moan about Britain. I think the weather in Britain is some of the best weather in the world because when it's sunny, you're grateful because you don't get it a lot. But the autumn is beautiful in England uh, and the winter's not that cold and you can actually go out. So I, I and, and, you know, unless it's really driving hard rain, wind in your face, I go out on long walks. So that really helps me cleanse um, and, and heal and nurture my soul. I think doing things for people. So I've had times in my life when I've been very altruistic and I've spent a long time, a lot of time giving and helping people. And I've also had time when I've been very selfish, building my empire, paying off my debts. You know, sometimes you have to focus on your own thing, your own family. Um, Yeah. But actually, I feel my soul feels really cleansed when I help other people. And I try and do that daily now. Every day I try and do a few 15 minute calls or some random donations or acts of kindness or things. And I won't list them all out because I don't want it to you know to, to to brag about it if you if you like but that really i think actually that's the most cleansing you can do of your soul is to help someone else i had a call today with someone just a 15 minute call that she got as part of the gerald ratner book launch um and she said rob i don't know that you know how much you helped me but i was struggling earlier on this year and you just offered to speak to me and i just phoned her up and I just talked to her and she really remembers that and that made me yeah. feel really really good um so spending time with children i think cleanses your soul spending time with mentors i think that does um i love listening to music going to the gym so actually i'm a lot better now hina this year i think covid's really taught me that look after yourself um yeah. because, you know if you don't look after yourself you've got nothing left so I, I, I train every day going to the gym i'm in a phase of trying to bulk up a bit and then i'll sort of lean up a bit nearer the summer but I, i'm I'm definitely doing a lot um, of um, exercise. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things there. I don't know if that answered the question, but there's a lot of things. There. Yes, it is. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Thank you. So you always come across really grounded. How do you control your emotions? Okay, right. So I think that controlling your emotions is one of the greatest areas of life to master that most people don't. And I think if you want to be a successful entrepreneur – 
um, you can only really grow your business at the speed that you grow personally. And people are always asking me for top things you've learned in business. And right up there is managing your emotions. So I just wanted to, you know, you said it very just delicately and flippantly almost, but it's a, a really serious point. And if, yes, you can, yes. if you can master your emotions, you master life. Um, so number one is understanding what your emotions are. Because we'd often, I mean, for, 20, for 30 years, I was actually a victim of and a slave of my emotions. And I didn't know it, but, you know, I'd basically get triggered. We get triggered thousands of times a day, don't we? I'd get triggered. Um, I'd react to my emotion. I'd be a slave to that emotion. I'd behave based on how my emotion was, whether that was a positive or a negative emotion. It's not always negative. You know, you can get overly excited, overly dreamy. You know, you can get overly aroused. You can get overly all sorts and, and chase that emotion as well or be driven by that. Um, so um, you've got to separate yourself from your emotions. You are not your emotions. That is really important. That's step zero. Step one, understanding what your emotions are. Your emotions are simply feedback to the environment. And I think you can break your emotions down into two, reward and um, survival. So survival is away from pain, cortisol or, you know, putting you in a, a, um, a defensive protected mode. Mm -hmm. So you're responding to a threat from your environment. And I think then the other bit is the reward, the pleasure um, when you attain safety, um, you know, when you achieve something or, you know, it's just something that makes you feel good. And I think there's a lot of happiness emotions. Um, people put happiness into one box. Oh, you know, you just want to be happy. But there's a myriad of those emotions. Um, fleeting or deeper fulfillment, for example, um, you know, arousal or enjoyment or joy or gratitude or bliss or um, contentment. These are these are all different. So when you understand that your emotions are simply a reaction to the environment, what they are is a feedback mechanism for you to be safe and receive reward. So when you understand that, you can put a, a gap, some time, a wall between you and your emotion. You experience the emotion. Let's say I really want to eat some food, but it's unhealthy. Or I really want to spend money I don't have. There's an emotion there. You go, wait a minute. I understand that this is not me. What, what is this emotion really? Where is it coming from? Why am I feeling it? And what you usually find is there's some past history. So usually what's happening with emotions that come up in the present, a lot of them are actually emotions from the past rebubbling. So mm -hmm. um, um, I'll give you an example, and I'm going to be fairly graphic here, so um, you can just decide whether you edit this out or not. But if someone said, fuck off to me like that, I would immediately remember when I was about seven or eight years old, I was a fat kid who didn't really, I was quite ostracized and I felt it. I was the fattest kid in my year. And I'd go down to watch these older lads play football every day. Now, I was a goalie and I was actually quite a good goalie. Being fat, there's an advantage there. Um, <laughs> and I'd go and watch these kids play football every weekend. And I'd stand on the side of the pitch and I'd just watch them. And one day, the kid who was the best, you know, the blonde haired, blue eyed, good looking kid who was, um, absolutely brilliant, 
he um, came up to me and he knelt down because they were a good three or four years older than me, I think. Um, and he's like, all right, mate, how you doing? And I was like, yeah, good. And he's like, oh, nice, nice football, nice goalie clubs. You support Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to come play with us? You know, oh yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Well, you can't fuck off. And, and oh. you can't. And and I ran home crying, and that just oh. scarred me. So you know, any rejection you felt when you're younger, anything that really hurt, any trauma, it gets triggered on a regular basis. It gets brought up by daily actions. Um, and your body thinks it's reacting to the situation, but it's not. It's bringing up the past. So then in, you feel the emotion. You go, okay, what is, what's the feedback? Do I, is there a threat here? Do I need to be safe? Um, okay, what past baggage is it bringing up? Um, okay, I understand that. And then, and then in that time, because you've got about 10 seconds, when you get emotionally triggered, um, in those 10 seconds, basically you're, you're dictated to by that emotion. And that's yeah. when we say shit, we regret, we do things we regret, we're angry, we lash out. It's in those 10 seconds or so. I think there's been a lot of science on that. Once that 10 seconds is gone and then you have that full – now, this sounds like a, a full analysis every time, but you can do this in a nanosecond as you practice it and get better at it. Um, so if you said something and it upset me, I'd be able to go, okay, um, so, um, is this a, is a threat to me? Probably not. Why did it upset me? What about my past did it upset me? If it brought up stuff in the past, I realise it's me, it's not you. If it didn't bring up anything in the past, it's how I perceive you are. I, I realise that I'm judging you and you don't know me and I don't have to take it personally. And then I can, and then if I act respectfully or kindly when you, know, when you trigger me, um, I can probably neutralise you. I can probably win you over and I probably show that I'm uh, very professional at handling myself. And, and as a business owner and a leader, when people see that you're professional and calm and kind and strong, but not vicious and lashy outy, which so many people are on social media. Yeah. When you've got that strong, calm center of like, you know, you can't break through my wall of strength, but kindness and warmth. And that's how you react to other people's emotions. One, you stop the cycle. Um, and two, you calm them down. And three, you win people over. And it is a real skill in business. And no one's perfect at it, no matter how much you've tried it. And still things will get to you that affect maybe the things that you feel are most important or if you feel really wronged. I've got, I've got certain things. I hate moral high grounding. I hate people who accuse everyone of doing things that they do themselves. Or I hate those behaviors. I don't hate those people. I hate those behaviors. Those things really fucking piss me off. And then, you know, they can, they can trigger me. So we've all got that point or or like if you're a parent you know for 23 hours and 59 minutes of the day you can act with elegance and calm and grace bobby always hits me smacks me comes on smacks me on the arm <laughs> cheating punching duffing me in ignore him he does all this and for 23 hours and 59 minutes you act like a great parent and then for one minute you lose your shit and you shout at him and you ruin it all <laughs> and people are ruining their brand on social media they're upsetting their customers they're pissing yeah. off they're ruining their relationships in that 10 seconds when they're emotionally wow. out of control. Um, so, yeah, I, I could go on a, long, a lot about this, but, you know, there's a bit, of a, a, you know, a bit of an answer to your question. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And that's, that's really, really interesting and something I definitely need to work on. So taking it, yeah, taking this into a slightly different direction now, um, what is your morning routine? So what is a typical breakfast, lunch, dinner, 
Do you cook? Does anyone really give a shit about what I do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so I um, I get up anywhere between five and half past, depending on um, Costa Coffee are changing their opening times a lot at the moment because of COVID. Oh, Wiz to Costa Coffee have some – I often have podcasts on, but in the last few months – I've actually just been listening to music purely because I've had such a crazy year. I couldn't put anything else in my head. Um, yeah. But usually I listen to podcasts or audio books. But at the moment, it's music. Just I want to get through this year. It's been a really transformative year, but a challenging one as well. Um, I'll go and get my Costa coffee, medium skinny cappuccino extra shot. I'll nick that. I'll, I'll be buzzing all over the place for two hours. I'll get about 28 <laughs> years worth of work done in those two hours. I'll have um, a bowl of protein porridge and half a protein bar. Um, and I'll have a protein shake with I have um, Nordic fish oil. I have athletic greens, um, creatine because I'm, I'm working out at the moment, coconut water, milk and then and then the protein shake. Um, and that's my um, breakfast. Um, then I'll do a bit of social media lives, et cetera, between sort of eight and nearly nine gym, nine to ten keep 10 to about half 12 free to do my own work strategy vision or take some time with myself. I'll often have um, a lunch booked in with my wife, but we'll be at home. She works at home. I work at home most of the time, but we'll sort of convene and have lunch and a chat together and sort of recap. Oh, that's nice. Um, I, I'll, um, I'll, if I'll have meetings in the day if I've got meetings. Um, but, I mean, I sort of had another retirement a few months ago, so I haven't got a lot of this work in at the moment. But fits and starts, you know, I worked, I did work Black Friday. I did work Gerald Ratner's book launch, but they're passion projects as well. Um, but at the moment, I've not really got that many meetings. I mean, I was doing one or two of these a day, Hina, and now I'm doing one or two a week um, oh. just because I'm trying to give myself some time and work out the next phase of my life. I'm 42 in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and then I always keep late afternoon and all evening free. Although if I do interviews, I will do them at eight o'clock. Um, I eat five times a day because that's what my personal trainer says I should do because he wants yeah. me to bulk up a bit. High protein. He'll make me some salmon or tuna with broccoli and peas and sweet potatoes. I have got a sweet tooth and I am just basically eating everything I see at the moment because I'm training. <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I try I go on long walks, probably four in lockdown. I was doing it every day post lockdown, um, probably four times a week. And I'll do, I'll clear my WhatsApp. I'll do my calls and I'll, um, listen to all the WhatsApp messages and all that on those walks. And then I just have a moment in nature. Um, yeah. And I go to bed usually about 10 o'clock. So uh, Lauren has said okay. here, crap in hell rob what time do you go to bed i guess she perceives five <laughs> as early so uh you know seven to seven seven and a half hours is about right for me anything less than seven yeah working for, you know i've always been a good sleeper um but i need my sleep and i've i've known that before all these you know fancy books came out on it um yeah yeah, everybody's different, aren't they? Everybody, everybody's sleep time, what they need to function is different. But um, yeah, great. So, Rob, you've broken two world, uh, two uh, speaking records uh, for 48 hours. You spoke for 48 hours. Yeah, so I broke the individual speaking speech marathon world record, 47 and a half hours straight. And then the next year I broke the team one. There was four of us oh, that did it. We did 127 oh, wow. hours, I think. Mm-hmm. 
But what did you talk about? I think it's been broken since. Ah. Oh. Well, whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah. I do, it doesn't matter. You know. But what did you talk about for that for that length of time? Um, uh, property and business. I could talk. Oh, okay. I could talk for a hundred and forty-seven hours on property and business. A lot, actually, when a lot of when a lot of people in media speak to me, they're like, "Wow, what did you speak on for that time?" David Goggins yeah. said that. He was like, "Wow, what did you speak for that long?" I could do property and business. In fact, I reckon. Give me a challenge at some point. I reckon I could do five hours on emotional mastery, at least five hours, maybe more, you know, managing your emotions, that question you asked me. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So you come across with bundles of energy. Um, Surely you must have some days when you just feel completely deflated and you just want to have a lazy day. And if you were having that lazy day, what would your ultimate pig out be? (laughs) Right. That's a good question. So um, I am pretty high energy, actually. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I tell you why I'm going to, I'm going to answer a different question because people often ask me, where do I get my energy from? And Mm -hmm. maybe they perceive I've got some supplement or, um, you know, I've got some crazy routine. Um, But, but a lot of people think that sleep's, you know, the most important thing for your energy or, or water or exercise or, or or whatever they think. And I think those things are all important. And I think you make compounded improvements. If you're sleeping well, you're well hydrated, you're eating well and not things that are making you feel lethargic. All those things add up. But I reckon all of those things are half. Passion, I reckon, is at least half, i.e. loving what you do. So mm. you could have a teenager who's eating, <clears throat> you know, shit food all day and doesn't sleep but plays Minecraft or Fortnite from Bobby could play it 24 hours straight and he would have loads of energy. Um, So the reason I have a lot of energy um, is because I love what I do mostly. Obviously, in anything you do that you love, there's things that you don't love. Um, Mm -hmm. And in anything that you love to do, there's hard hard challenges and, and conflicts. That it's naive for people who think they can just do something that they love, all of it. But when you're passionate about your profession, for me, that's where most of your energy comes. Now, I've been talking about this recently a bit. But if you think about it, you're asleep for about, what, a third of your life? Eight out of 24 hours, a third? You're working for about a third of your life. You know, once you're into your working years, beyond 18, about eight hours. And then the other third of your life, you're doing everything else. So if you turn your passion into a profession, your profession into a passion, your vocation into a vacation, your vacation into a vocation, you love what you do and you do what you love. You have doubled your passion time and you have literally gone from 25 years of doing something you enjoy to 50 years out of your life doing something you enjoy. Uh, And when you do what you love, Energy comes from somewhere, and I don't know where. You probably, you know, probably connected to the universe in some way. Um, So uh, the reason I'm very rarely "Mm," is because I love what I do. So that didn't answer your question. It's a prelude to it. But, yes, every day at some stage I go, "Mm," (laughs) and dribble and drive myself crazy thinking should I be doing something productive or should I just relax relax 
I don't really do relaxing very well. I have to work on not working, work on relaxing. So that's a bit of a, a you know, a, a monkey on my back I have to work on. Um, my ideal pig out day would definitely be binging something awesome on Netflix. It would be wearing a hoodie, definitely. I've been into hoodies recently because I'm obviously going down the gym a lot, which means I've put on a little bit of extra, um, you know, warmth, if you like. Um, <laughs> I want to wear a hoodie um, and tracksuit bottoms. Um, I, I would probably want to have a Five Guys burger. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> I would definitely want to have ice cream. I mean, I have had the Halo Top healthy ice cream, not not mega healthy, but healthier. But I'd probably want to go all in for like a, um, I don't know, white chocolate and salted caramel ice cream <laughs> or a Ben and Jerry, one of the indulgent, baked Alaska, oh, or what is it they call Karma Caramel Sutra or whatever. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd obviously want to make some sweet love, definitely probably morning, afternoon and evening, if I'm just being honest, like kind of <laughs> pretty, I'm pretty regular in that area, uh, but I don't get that, that many. That comes later. Yeah, yeah, Netflix and chill. No, I want to chill, Netflix, chill, Netflix, chill. Yeah, there you go. That's my ideal slob day. And, and, and play around, hang around with my kids. The kids all being in the house. We really now have weekends, my family, where we just stay in the house and we love it. Um, and yeah. Saturday is the day we all do our catch-up bits. Um, and then Sunday we all sort of do stuff together. So, yeah, you probably got a little bit more in that question than you bargained for, but there you yeah, go. That's okay. That's absolutely fine. We're going to touch on that again later anyway. Oh, are we? Right. Yes, yes. You answered too quick. But um, so I, I deal with skin. That's my profession. I I deal with uh, trauma skin I remodel skin your skin looks amazing what is your routine and, and what do you do oh that's funny because um I've had a lot of skin problems um so I don't even know if I've sh- you're going to get a lot of firsts out of me on this podcast Tina but um back in the day when I was doing just after I was doing my martial arts and I was still going down the gym a lot and I was um you know f- for me I was sort of quite lean and relatively um strong for me um, and I, uh, it was in, it was back when people started drinking pre-workouts. Um, okay. and these were new. I mean, everyone does them now. I don't, I can't touch them. I, I, I'd get, I get addicted to air if I have too much of it. I'm a guy, very <laughs> addictive personality. Um, but, uh, there was this gym pre-workout called NO Explode or No Explode made by a company called USN. You'd have one scoop of it and oh man, I don't know what was in it, but it was sent you wild. Um, and it used to make my face tingle. It opens up all your veins, and it burst, oh. all veins, burst all the veins in my face, and my face was really red. And then I developed rosacea, yeah. and I had that for ten years. Oh wow! Yeah, and I tried everything and couldn't get rid of it. If you look back over some of my photos and videos, my face is really red. Okay. Um, and I don't know what it was, but maybe it was. But in the last sort of couple of years, um, you it just went. Um, I don't really, you know, I I don't really wash and moisturize maybe as much as I should. My wife does it religiously twice a day and she's trying to get me to do it. She gets me all the products and probably do it Aww. three or four times. You know, wash every day, obviously, but don't, don't want some haters. Oh, Rob doesn't have showers. 
Um, yeah, they'd love that, wouldn't they? Dirty bastard! They would love that. <laughs> but now, in terms of religiously exfoliating, what I, I do that maybe two, three times a week. Um, I find I, I find if um, I find my skin's quite reactive. If I'm stressed, it'll come out in my skin. But if um, I'm in, you know, good, if I'm in a good place, my skin will often be, um, you know, more white than red. So maybe it, yeah. it's either because the light's favourable, um, or I, I think it's probably because I mean, I'm, I'm handling the stresses and challenges that are being thrown at me relatively well at the moment because there always are i was talking to someone today yeah. who's starting a few businesses and you know you know I'm, i know I, I keep on but it's, oh, it's quite stressful and you know there's a lot of difficult things and i listed out a load of difficult things that had happened this year for me and i said to her there's always difficult things there's just different layers and levels and timing of difficult things so yeah. for me it's not really about oh is it stressful or not it's Am I handling the stress well or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The skin could be to do with hormones as well, by the way. Um, and that makes sense if you're training. So, right. So last question before we go into a fun fire round. Um, so you touched on your goals a little bit. So what are your goals? What are your future goals? Um, right. Well, I mean, I want my trainings to be, uh, my training companies to be global. And lockdown has really helped that. Right. Actually. We'll just continue growing them on the global scale. Um, I would definitely like to um, continue to build my foundation, the Rob Moore Foundation. And I want that to have a global impact and help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get a better financial education. I'm going to keep writing books. I've got this goal that I will catch up the amount of books I've written with the age I am one day. So I'm 41 and I've now completed 18 books um and i'm in the process of writing another three so when they're done i'll have written half as many books as my age so maybe by the time i get to 50 55 i'd have caught up and written 50 or 55 books that's a little goal of mine i'd like to like to keep buying property i'd like to keep doing more philanthropic work and 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 helping more people and keep continue to be a, a good person doing more good deeds um grow my podcast grow my brand just basically i'm on a good trajectory in terms of i love what i do i do what i love i know that what i do my companies and my mission my personal vision to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get a better financial education i know i'm on mission and on path and so i don't need to go off track and become an actor or write a song or you know have all these crazy random things on my bucket list i totally respect people if they've got a long crazy random bucket list of, of a tapestry of experiences but i don't feel that need i want to put yeah. all that energy into the current missions that i'm on what i do know is that if you were to speak to me again when i'm 50 Hina, i'd have done a, a load of crazy random off you know off piece things because life will throw those at you life will throw yeah. my way amazing business opportunities challenge it will throw me loads of different stuff anyway yeah. So, um, I just want to bring something up here, actually, if you don't mind quickly, because there's a chap but going by the name of P.S. on YouTube. I wanted to just address a couple of things. So he said, um, just joined, um, new to Rob, any meditation or inner work time allocated? And then he said later, no inner work stroke silence then. So I, I, I would say I do a lot of inner work. 
Um, and inner work would be I, I work on my personal development and mindset. I try and manage my emotions well and better. I try and see things from other people's point of view more. Um, I try and do as many acts of kindness as I can. Uh, obviously, I've helped hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs and I want to keep doing that. Yeah, thank you, Hina. So, you know, that's one version of inner work, isn't it? And I do a lot of that. In terms of the clearing my mind, meditating, silence, peace, etc., um, probably maybe not do as much of that as I could or maybe not as good at that as some people who are more practiced in it than me. I do try and make sure I spend some a decent amount of time each day on my own, and I think that's important. Calm my own um, noises and thoughts, you know, process and consider things, not have things going in all the time. Um, so I do try and have some, you know, alone and silence time. Um, and I've tried meditation a few times and um, I would say I've got more work to do in that. I, I followed for quite a while Joe Dispenza's sort of walking meditations and his style yeah. of meditation. I, I liked that. I, I found it for me to work well. Um, so that's just a part of my life where probably there's still more work to be done. But I think if you just see me at 25 to now, you can see that. You know, I'm probably a bit more confident and calm and assured about who I am. I'm less concerned about what other people think, though there's definitely that still there. I definitely do want respect and, you know, I want to be valuable and noticed and useful. And, you know, I want to be recognized for who I am and what I do. So there's definitely some of that there. But I suppose you'd have had to know me. A lot of people who've been following me for many years. They actually say, oh, Rob, you know, you've changed. You know, you seem more centered. I mean, that, some of that may be age. Some of that might be running yeah. a public company for 15 years and having nearly 100 staff and, you know, yeah. doing 100 unit developments and, you know, making millions of pounds, but having millions of pounds of overhead and the highs and lows. Because when you come out of all those challenges, I think you are stronger, more centered. There's less that can break you you're like a bigger stronger tree that the wind can't move the tree or bend the tree so i think wisdom and experience and age brings that centeredness the the understanding and the knowing of who you are but yeah still always throw you a curveball and um you know i, I think the, the planet needed a curveball clearly otherwise we wouldn't have been given it in covid and I've definitely had a few curveballs this year. Yeah. But I think then uncertainty and certainty keeps us on us toes, right? We need a bit of both. We need the balance, don't we? Mm, 100%. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I'm naturally busy. I'm naturally a thinker. I'm naturally a doer. I'm naturally a solver. I'm restless. So, you know, when you said about, um, you know, a slob day, I, I've not had a day where I've not at least done something productive for goodness knows how many years. I couldn't yeah. just do a whole day doing nothing. Um, yeah. And so it's why, So that's why I wanted to raise, I don't know what PS's name is, he might say, it's nice to meet this person. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm naturally more a, a doer and a solver. So that's probably where, you know, work can benefit me, whereas other people are more naturally intuitive or, you know, sense and feel and, 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 and slower thinkers, and they could probably do a bit more of what I do. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Right, we are now going on to the fun fire round. I've got to try and keep a straight face. I'll be the judge of whether it's fun afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be having fun, that's for sure, and hopefully the listeners do too. So, I've heard you love marshmallows. <laughs> Would you keep eating them 
until you're sick. Uh, well, I once, uh, my mum and dad used to go to cash and carry when they owned pubs. And I'd, um, I'd buy like huge bags of skips or I used to get these huge clear tubs of flumps, which are marshmallows. <laughs> uh, so flumps are my favourite marshmallows. Um, and yeah, I once ate, I just kept eating skips until I was sick. And I once kept eating marshmallows until I was sick. When I was <laughs> an overweight kid, you kind of figured. So I have actually done that, yeah. Okay. Right. No wife, no chef, no takeaway. Kids are hungry. It's dinner time. What are you going to do? No wife, no chef. No, no takeaways. Takeaway. You have to make something. You have to sort the food out. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to get Bobby, my nine-year-old son, to cook scrambled eggs. <laughs> Bobby loves cooking scrambled eggs. Aww. Uh, my wife makes homemade bread every day and it's delicious. Oh, and wow. I like fancy food. Who doesn't? And I like rich food. Who doesn't? But tell you what, um, my wife's scrambled egg on toast, or jacket potato cheese and beans, or you know those home lovely, yeah, you know. home comforts. Yeah, Bobby loves all that. So I'd get Bobby to make scrambled eggs, and then we'd have fun, and we'd make a complete mess of the kitchen. Ah, oh, good answer. You have some amazing cars. Which one is your favourite, and why? Probably my Lamborghini Aventador. Um, just because I think it's the best looking car that's ever been made. Um, and it's outrageously exciting and loud. And um, it's probably a bit like me and temperamental <laughs> and a diva. Um, although a close second would have to be my Ferrari Testarossa because that was my dream car as a kid. And that's a classic. And I've got a, a 1987 with hardly any miles, one of the most mint condition ones. That's, that's got a bit more, um, you know, like, there's something in that more than just a car because it's my live streams within it. I have a Porsche Panamera Turbo S, which is um, the fastest saloon car um, or the fastest non-full electric saloon car on the planet. Um, and for, as a an everyday car, that's probably the best car I've had. Cool. Okay. Is it true you broke your wrist trying to break dance? No. Did you get, Did you get that? that? No, you actually went um, silent for a bit. Internet, sure. uh, no, I, I didn't. I've broken my foot kicking something. Um, I've broken my arms and legs in a motorbike crash. Bad one. Um, I've nearly died twice. Most people don't know that. But no, I've never oh, broken. My, I've never broken my wrist trying to break dance. And the reason I know that is because I'm a terrible dancer. Terrible <laughs> dancer. And so um, I wouldn't even attempt that. Okay. What do you hate doing the most, but you still have to do anyway? That's a really good question. Um, either really deep, intensive research and picking out minutiae details of things. It could be a some kind of legal case or load oh. of load of deep research for a book. You know, where you've got to get all the footnotes and the. And make sure that all the credits and the copyright, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not my flow. It's not my skill. It's not my best use or value. So either that or intense conflict. But I've, I hate I'm, I naturally don't like conflict. And I, th I spent 25 years avoiding it. But I've learned to face conflict because that's emotional management and mastery. And um, I will make myself endure intense conflict but wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to? But, you know, if you want to be a successful business person, then you have to. Yeah, absolutely. What habits do you have that you know annoys people so much, but you still go ahead and do it anyway? 
changing things. So I change things a lot. I'm not scared to change things. My ego doesn't need to go, oh, well, you know, and we've got to carry on this. We've done it always this way. Way. If I think we can do it better, I'll change it. And so I do change things quickly and sometimes last minute. And um, I, I know that throws challenges all over the place across my team and creates a lot of chaos. And, and um, I mean, look, they, I, I might have some weird quirky traits and habits and isms that I don't know about, but I would say if you lined up most people that have ever worked with me or know me, that would probably be the most common thing that probably challenges them the most. Yeah. Okay. Do you speak any other languages? No, but I did learn German for quite a few years. I used to have dreams in German. Um, oh, my gosh. And I went there a couple of times. I wasn't fluent. I did it at A-level, but I'd probably say, uh, you know, I was two-thirds of the way there maybe. Um, oh, wow. But no, not anymore. I struggle with my mother tongue. So <laughs> I was going to say, could you remember any words, but better not, just in case you say anything. Oh, okay. I can't judge because I don't speak German. So What's the go. best way to the train station? <laughs> <laughs> that's very useful. Actually, one of my that's going to be one of my questions. Um, when's the last time you used public transport? Um, I don't mind using the train. And I'll do first class as long as it's not full on peak. And actually, I, if you go off peak, often you can get a good first class rate where it's yeah. maybe, um, I don't know, 50 75 percent more than a standard a standard might be my, my most common trip is peterborough to london it's an hour away so yeah. off peak you're talking 30 quid a ticket sometimes less and sometimes you get fifth uh, first class for 15 and you've got a charger and a table and you can do some work and that's yeah what. yeah but i won't pay 150 quid for um for a one hour journey first class I, I don't think that's a good use of money and i'll go and sit with everyone else and that's absolutely fine um, so, you know, I like to have the luxury. I mean, of course, I can afford to go to London every day on first class, but I just think it's a, a waste of money. I think yeah. twice as much, fine. Four times as much, not fine. So um, to go to London, I use the train quite a lot because driving will take you two and a half hours and is stressful. And the train will take you 45 minutes and it's relaxing as long as it's not really rammed full. So I actually use public transport a reasonable amount. I'll use taxis in London, Ubers normally. Um, not so keen on the underground so much anymore, mm. um, but actually don't drive a huge amount. Um, yeah. And I drive my Porsche on its battery mode. So I only fill up with petrol every couple of months. So I am getting more conscious about the planet, uh, you know, and, and trying to do my bit where possible. Um, yeah, I think it's important. I, I, I um, took, I don't eat as much meat as I used to anymore. All the protein I have is plant-based now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love meat. But I think it's important to do if, if everyone does a little bit like I'm sure vegans and vegetarians would love me not to eat meat. But I'm sure all vegans and vegetarians would also say if we all ate 25 percent less meat. I mean, that how much across the world, what impact did that make? That's huge. So in the things that are really important to you, do a lot. The things that yeah. you can't do a lot, but you can do a bit, do a bit, doing a mm. bit, you know, is, is still um, useful and valuable. Great. Excellent. So. Busy, busy, um, Rob. Do you have time to do the no pants dance? Do what? 
<laughs> do you have time for the no pants dance? But you answered that a bit earlier because you said... No pants dance. <laughs> um, intimacy. Oh, making love. Um, oh, look, I would, I'd, I'd diarise that uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, I'd compartmentalise yeah. that in. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, it, that. Um, <laughs> right, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna take the heat off me a bit, but um, I think if you lack intimacy in in re- your relationship, I think that it's a friendship or not even that. Um, and I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's it. That's the that's the last question of the fire round. Um, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Um, Rob for everything you do and you touched on it earlier and you said about the one-to-one calls I've had many one-to-one calls with you and you have helped immensely so I want to say thank you so much for that first of all and secondly thank you for doing this interview my pleasure on both counts Um, I think you're awesome I love how your journey has unfolded Um, it's been lovely to spend the evening with you you actually asked me two or three questions maybe four I haven't been asked before Um, great I think that's always nice because I've done a lot of these. So, yeah, yeah. great. Probably said a couple <laughs> of embarrassing things. So that's pretty nice. It's all good. It's all good. How can my listeners um, find you, Rob? Uh, my podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Um, but it's more than just an entrepreneur's podcast. It's a kind of like a, a, a way of turning your passion into your profession and merging it all together and living it. Um, I don't see why we should separate work and life. We definitely shouldn't um, work to live. So, um, yeah, you can find me anywhere, really. If you type Rob Moore, R-O-B-M-O-O-R-E, you'll find I do loads of content on my Facebook page, LinkedIn regularly. I'm pretty prolific on most social media. My YouTube channel's growing quite well. Great. Thank you. So just to finish off, Rob, what does feel fabulous mean to you? Feeling fabulous means having a good balance between being useful and valuable and kind and helping as many people as you can and doing the things for you that make you feel alive. Thank you. All right. We've had loads of comments. They're all flying in. Oh, can I just quickly ask you a question from Peter? Because I just saw his name pop up. Peter Nelson asked, when you um, get together with um, Kevin Clifton... (laughs) have you ever broken out into a dance and if you have who leads um i've never danced with kevin clifton <laughs> uh because i can't dance and i've never even had a desire to dance because i'm you know like when a baby horse is born and it sort of struggles a bit to try <laughs> and for the first time that's what it that's what it looks like um okay. for me dancing so there you I go peter i won't expose the planet to that okay all right great Thanks, Hina. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.